Sabres Live is presented by Seneca Resorts and Casino. Nothing else comes close. Welcome inside Lecom Harbor Center as development camp continues after a day off for the 4th. Hope you had a great holiday with Marty. I'm Brian. And Marty, we are hours away from a three-on-three tournament to culminate this year's development camp. But I would suggest that maybe at this point in time, the highlight of the camp for the entirety of the group was probably attending the Bisons game on the 3rd and going to Niagara Falls yesterday. Like, as someone who tries to prop up this city at every turn, I can't tell you how happy I was to have seen the skies clear. Oh, a perfect, perfect night for baseball and everything that came with their Independence Day night at the ballpark. Not to mention the Bisons were cooking from the outset and just, you know, roared to victory. Last year, last night was gorgeous. Uh, yesterday, pardon me, in the falls, absolutely perfect. We hear about this often. It's an orientation camp, not an evaluation camp. These are the perfect little takeaways, I think, for these guys. I mean, you can't, I, script, you can't script it any you better. You can't it's script awesome. it any better. And, and to be honest with you, you remember the on-ice portion, what you learn on the ice, yeah. the coaches, the interaction, the drills that you do. But you remember a lot more about the off-ice. And, and the reason why I'm saying that is because I remember going to the – it was called an evaluation camp for Team Canada at the World Juniors, yeah. the summertime. Yeah. And I remember one year we went to Montreal. I'm 18. So we're looking at 1995, the summer of 95, uh, or maybe that, no, the summer of 96, right? I wasn't, I wasn't 19 yet. So summer of 96, we go to Montreal for summer evaluation camp. And we went on those jet boats that go down the rapids in oh, Montreal yeah, yeah, yeah. and get, it, get, get us all soaked, right? And when these prospects were going to go to do the same thing in Niagara Falls, that's the first thing I thought about. Mm-hmm. I remember doing this with Christian Laflamme and Jean-Yves Leroux and, and Jose Theodore and Mark Denny and those guys from Quebec. But we were all in the same boat and we got soaked. Literally. Right? Literally. We were all in the same boat. And we got soaked and it was a lot of fun. So I'm thinking of that. When you talk about the Bisons game, I remember coming here in the summertime in Buffalo and working out for an extended period of time, six weeks, two months, right? We would come in June and July mm-hmm. and work out under the supervision of then conditioning coach Doug, Doug McKinney. McKinney. Yeah. And we'd all stay in these little apartments that were like, man, we, we were in all different apartments, but we could hear what everybody was doing because the walls were, were thin. So, but I remember going to the Bisons game. Yeah. And I remember Roman Endur, yeah. because he was a prospect at the time, wanting to play a game where every time somebody hit a home run, we were going to chug our drinks. But we weren't allowed to drink alcohol, so what did we do? Oh, no. We got Pepsi or Coke or whatever it was, and we drank, basically chugged the soda oh. for every home run. 11 home run that, that game. <laughs> Seriously, seriously, it was like oh it was like fifteen to, to nine. And the you've score. never recovered. You've been addicted still, to soda I ever since. Still remember <laughs> the game, right? So when you talk about the the Bison's oh. on on uh, on the fort last night, having on the third, I should say, having such a great a grand night. I'm mm-hmm. like, I wonder if the guys played a, a soda chugging game for every home run there was in that game. Well, I mean, the the cool thing, I mean, we were behind the scenes leading up to it, and we knew that they were going. To the Bisons game, we had a little panel discussion with all the prospects on Monday afternoon. 
And, you know, it was Razor and Jeff Skinner, uh, Danny Gare, yourself, and, uh, yeah. you know, for some reason I was there. And they all got, uh, on the way out, they all got these really slick Bison's caps to which wear for the game. I almost grabbed one. Which was awesome in itself, right? Like, that's a nice little attention to detail, get the guys ready for the night. But the whole part of the experience that we had with them was basically an hour of just trying to relate to them what being a pro and being a pro in Buffalo and being a pro at the game and in life as a community member can be for these guys as they make their way into their pro career. And I, I thought it was pretty well received. I mean, I you have to keep in mind how many of the guys don't have English as their primary yes. language. Um, but I thought, you know, like a very, very simple little thing. And it's no surprise that Danny did it. He quickly asked, he's like, how many of you guys from British Columbia? Because he's so proud of his hometown and his home province, right? So what does he do? Make sure to get a picture with all of them after to put it on Instagram. Like, I don't know how much in the moment they will cherish and understand. I mean, I tried to statistically present Danny's greatness in the context of this organization. But I love that as a takeaway, though, because Danny is still to this day excited about every player that walks through the door. And I hope that the, when the kids leave here, and we can call them kids, feel the same way about, wow, this is really something to keep looking for. I, I know that's obvious, but I like the extra little layers they're getting here at development. And you know who so. was a superstar in that conference, other than you, Duffer, because you were a superstar, was Jeff Skinner. Mm-hmm. I thought Jeff was fantastic. And when... He said something during the conference, and the kids that are sitting there are watching Jeff Skinner, and they're saying, wow, like, here's a goal scorer. Here's a guy that's been in the league a while. Uh, He's got a big contract. Like, all things that you want to aspire to do, right? Have success. Now, yes, Jeff wants to have team success and get in the playoffs and win a cup, but, you know, as individuals, you look at Jeff Skinner and say, that's a successful hockey player Mm -hmm. that has done some great things. And then Jeff Skinner says, well, I don't have the statistics that this guy does pointing to Danny Gare. Mm-hmm. And so if you're a kid in the, in, the, in the crowd, you're 19, 20, 21 years old, and you've been watching Jeff Skinner for the last 10 years, and you say, this guy says Danny Gare is legit, I'm listening to Danny Gare because Jeff Skinner just said that. And when Jeff Skinner says, Rob Ray, he's legit because you should see – how people react to robbery around town and all the great work and the charity work that he does. Mm-hmm. Listen to him. Mm-hmm. Like I thought Jeff was fantastic to, to yes, give a little bit of himself, but also kind of put the other people there and say, like, this, these are people you need to listen to. And that's the culture and the understanding of the organization that I don't think was there five years ago that is there now. And we've seen that last two years with RJ Knight and Ryan Miller Knight and all of that. It's, it's incredible. It's been quite a year for Jeff, hasn't it, from a personal standpoint? Like putting himself out there. Yes. You know, to have the courage to do the video series, entirely driven by his mind. Yes. But then even to be here for something like development camp. Like two, three years ago, we're not necessarily picking a current Sabre to talk to the panel that would be Jeff Skinner. Nope. And admittedly, I... He's not still the most comfortable, and I know this full well so I can relate yep. to it. He's not the most comfortable in a public setting. 
But you're right. Amidst amidst all of that, which actually I think can maybe even make him more endearing because a lot of kids that were sitting there listening to him probably aren't super comfortable asking questions mm-hmm. or whatever. They're just quiet by nature. I think it's I think his place organizationally but publicly and privately has, has changed quite a bit. And I'm proud of Jeff for that. I don't I don't think it's I don't think it's easy to carry a lot of what Jeff has had to carry here. Um, and you mentioned the absence of playoffs still at this stage of his career, right? So it's kind of one more thing hanging out there that if you're excited about this team for this coming season, you should probably be really excited for Jeff given maybe how close now that opportunity is for him. Everybody has individual goals, right? Mm-hmm. That is like, oh, I wish I have a point a game, or I want 20 goals, or I want 10 goals, or I want to be a plus player, or I want 20 wins as a goalie, or 30 wins as a goalie, or whatnot. But there's also team goals that are individualized because certain players show up on different teams. Yep. I remember getting to Philadelphia and be like, well, I know the Flyers have played in the playoffs. I know the Flyers, some of the guys have won a Calder Cup. Mm-hmm. Some of the guys have had success in the playoffs, gone to conference. I want to I want to get to the playoffs as a number one goaltender. I want to play playoff games. Mm-hmm. That was a, an, an individualized team goal. Not everybody in the team has that same goal, but I think for Jeff Skinner, it's the same thing. He's probably looking at, I want an individualized team goal and making the playoffs is that. And again, when you brought up that he is the star and there's probably an Emmy or some kind of award. He, we, again, like he's quick to point out people that are around him, that help him, that mm-hmm. he pointed out to Cole Burkholder. And it was like, <laughs> Immediately. He's, the, he's the star. Cole Burkholder, our travel coordinator with the Sabres. He's the star. He's the guy that splashed, uh, what is it called, uh, distilled? Um, smart water. Yeah, anyway, he splashed the smart water in his face and the whole thing. So, yeah, he gets yelled at a lot in those. Okay, so the group is familiar but has technically changed in the last uh, 24 hours because they've added another defenseman. He's a familiar name, Kale Clegg. Oh, yes. And he's back. So depending on where you want to slot Clegg, you either have 10 defensemen with the Sabres right now or you have nine with Buffalo and nine with Rochester. Yes. So it's uh, it's getting crowded and it does prompt the question, what's next as far as reorganizing the defense chairs here with this team? You've got Darlene Samuelson, Power and Clifton, Eric Johnson and Yoki Haru, Bryson and Labushkin, Riley Stillman, and Kale Clegg. Now, Clegg technically is on the same type of contract that Jeremy Davies and Joe Ciccone are down in Rochester right now. Um, it's actually a big ticket for Clegg. He's He's poised to make 475 in the AHL if he ends up down there, which would be the highest um, among the two-way contracts yes. that are down there. So you're looking at an Amherst defense that could have Ryan Johnson and Ethan Prow, the return pairing that we saw all through the past year in the playoffs, Davies and Ciccone, newcomer in Novikov, green but now playoff-experienced Zach Metza, mm-hmm. Chris Jandrick, Kale Clegg, and, you know, recently signed out of junior, uh, Nicholas Savoie, right? Yes, uh, is, they just signed him yeah. last week. So, yeah, this is, how do you, how do you look at this? This is, this is a lot. Well, no disrespect to Kel Clegg, but I can't foresee any scenario right now that would be a good one with him starting the season in Buffalo. By the way, 
The Sabres used 11 defensemen last year. Yes. Clegg played the seventh most. Okay. Well, that is a reason why you need depth. Mm -hmm. You need to be able to secure depth, players that know the organization, that are, look, on a two-way deal, as you just pointed out, the easy decision is obviously to think that Kale Clegg is bound for Rochester if everybody's healthy. There's a logjam. There's a huge logjam when it comes to defense with this organization. You, you mentioned Darlene, Samuelson, Power, Clifton. I think that's your top four. Okay. Now, could there be a little flexibility in there? Henry Yokiaru is going to want to say something about that. Saying, hey, I was Power's partner, and I played a lot with, uh, in the top four the last few years. I want to be in that conversation. Labushkin, Eric Johnson, you got Bryson Stillman. Like, there is a lot of bodies. They're not all nine going to start in Buffalo. It's impossible. So you go with process of elimination. You would think, well, maybe that Stillman would be the first one to just be either sent to Rochester or Bryson because the other seven would be the, the, the most experienced one on the group when you put your depth chart. Um, but again, that's, when I say if Kel Clegg starts the year in Buffalo, it's not a good situation. It's no disrespect to Kel Clegg. It's more like that means there's injuries. That means that all of a sudden there's there's doors that have been open mm-hmm. or that you've made a couple of transactions and there is more of an option or an opportunity for a player like Kel Clegg. But I just don't foresee any transactions happening now until probably September. Okay. And then it may be one at the end of training camp that you're like, okay, well, we got to make a decision on Bryson. Well, maybe we got to send Bryson to Rochester to start the year and see where he goes. Well, he may be snagged on waivers, right? That's just the reality of it also. Um, a lot of bodies, a lot of bodies. And there's 32 teams now, and it feels like teams all have three goalies, nine defensemen, 17 forwards. Mm-hmm. Like there's more talent to be had across the NHL. Bryson, of course, makes 1.85 in the final year of his deal. Stillman at 1.35. And both of those players, if they were going through waivers and ending up in Rochester, would have their full salary uh, at that number down in the AHL, which is less than ideal. And also would be, um, if it's 1.8 for Bryson, Mm that would probably be about an $800,000 cap hit on the Buffalo Sabres. Right. Because you get a minus a million bucks. Right. And they're obviously not super concerned about that yet, but, I mean, these are still numbers that need to pour in. What will Darlene's extension be? And, you know, um, even at what is currently the Rochester level, like what are the deals going to be for Weisbach and Murray, right? And what opportunities will they have? But if we were talking in the office this morning just about, let's say, the top six. If you didn't know anything, which is easy for me to do, if you didn't know anything and just penciled in your starting six right now, who's the starting six on opening night? It's a tough question. It's a really tough question. I gave you my top four. I think it's Power, um, Clifton, Samuelson, Dallin, right? Uh-huh. And no, I think it's Dallin, Samuelson, Power, Clifton, but whatever. That is your top four. I do believe that Lubushkin has a value to the top six in that role, in a 5-6 role. Uh-huh. Now, who do you like better in that role? Is it newcomer Eric Johnson that you say, hey, we got to put him in. We signed him. And no, we've got to put him in. Or is it Henry Yokiaru that's been around for a while? Mm-hmm. That's where the conversation and the decision comes to make. I believe 
that the Sabres would want to start the season with some added veteran players, added leadership, especially on the back end, if you want to insulate and maybe help uh, Devin Levi or Uko Pekalukin a little bit more. So I would think your your top six would be Dallin, Samuelson, Power, Clifton, Johnson, Labushkin. That's who I would see as my top six. It's pretty tough for a guy who played a lot in Yoki Haru, right? It's really tough, but I'm I'm obviously... So are you moving Yoki Haru before that instead of reducing his value? I think there's there's a chance of that, okay. depending on what happens around the league, who's mm-hmm. looking for defensemen. Wouldn't he have the most value? He would have the most value out of the group. Right. right. I, obviously, I, I wouldn't... I wouldn't. You just got Eric Johnson, so you're not making any moves there. Mm-hmm. Um, you got Labushkin last year, mm-hmm. and I think that, again, Labushkin used in a third pair... Um, in a role that will suit him. Mm-hmm. And then we saw Lubushkin really growing last year, I thought, in my opinion, in a better role. So um, you're not thinking of moving him. So the, the one guy out is Yoki Aryu, and he's the one with the most value, yes. Is there a scenario where you would keep those seven, including Yoki Haru? And then are you still of the belief that they would carry eight? I'm of the belief that they will have a decision to make depending yeah. on the injury situation. Uh, but carrying eight, it depends if they carry three goalies or not. It's true. I you know if you carry three goalies, you can't carry eight defensemen because you don't have any extra forwards. Mm-hmm. And you're putting yourself in a really tough place to always have to play the yo-yo game of calling somebody up from Rochester. Where are they? Are they in Wilkes-Barre, Scranton? Are they like somewhere where it's going to be hard to get them to you? Um, so if you don't carry three goalies, I say you go ahead and you carry eight defensemen and 13 forwards. But if you have three goalies, you cannot carry eight defensemen. I have a tough time thinking that this is going to wait, that this is not going to be addressed before camp. I, I think I would agree with it if, you firmly believed Yoki Haru was in your top six and you weren't planning to move off of that. Yes. But I think it's very hard to tell right now. It's, it's really hard to tell. But then with, we, get, we look around the league. Well, that's the thing. Like even I mean, a guy like Travis Hamannick who just resigned with Ottawa. Two years, right? Two years, but he's probably, okay, I'm a free agent. I'm going to look around. Uh-huh. And then he circles back to Ottawa and, okay, I'll sign with you. He signed a two-year deal at $1.1 million a year. Right. Travis Hamannick we're talking about. Uh-huh. Like that to me is lot, under market value by a, a lot. A lot lower the market than what he is used not, to make. Yeah, the and market then, is not there for right now for those those defensemen that are looking for a spot. Well, and the challenge in all of this is often: are we too critical of the defensemen we see most often, or do we have a habit of building them up? too high by league standards, yes. right? Like Henry's a first-round pick. Henry played over 21 minutes a night last year. Mm-hmm. The team missed the playoffs by a point. And by the way, they had three other young defensemen playing over 20 minutes and Darlene Samuelson and Power. Yes. So you can look at it a couple of ways as opposed to it just being individually specific in his game. The whole group fared pretty well to a certain extent, I get it. They were one of the worst defensive teams in the league. But there's an element of the game that also is moving the puck up the ice so people can have success at the other end, of which Buffalo was one of the best. So 
But just as an example, Florida went to the Cup. They've just added Nico Mikola, Oliver ekman Larson, Mike Riley, Dmitry Kulikov. We could sit here and debate all day long, like, where Yoki Haru fits in. Like, would Florida have been better off making a deal to get Yoki Haru as a better defenseman on a good team than some of those names I just mentioned? I think Yoki Haru is better than a lot of those guys you mentioned. But at the same time is, do you feel that you can get any of those guys? Number one, like, Yoki Haru is making $2.5 million. Yeah. So could you get any of those players at a million, a million five? So you got a million, a million dollar, like right, you like know, the difference. Rileys and Kulikovs of the world come in. At and yeah. what do you have to give to get Yoki Ari? Right. The Sabers are not going to just want to part ways and just give exactly. an asset like Yoki Ari. But right. is the market suitable right now for a right defenseman? Mm-hmm. Because like it Boston seems to added, me like they were all right shot defensemen available, and yeah. they, they 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 all found a spot. Like Boston added Shattenkirk. Yes. Right. All right. Well, he's at the complete opposite end of the spectrum than Yoki Haru, right? But we know. But they went old. They added Lucic. They added JVR. They added Brown. They added you know Shattenkirk. So for me, you have to find a team that is a a turn for the young younger defenseman with some experience. Yoki mm-hmm. Haru is still only 24 years old. Mm-hmm. He's got a lot of NHL experience. Has played a lot of minutes. Is a Philadelphia, for example, a team that would be looking? They added Mark Stahl. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, so but they're also allegedly point. not trying to win. Yeah, but are you trying to to also build for the future? Yeah. Can you look at a you you you, you look at Yoki Aru and say is he a better option mm-hmm. than Ivan Provorov that they had before that they traded, and maybe even Rasmus Ristolainen to a certain extent, and say, hey. In three years down the road, Yoki Aryu would be 27 years old. We could rely on him a lot. And he fits the way we play, right? Is that how Philadelphia's thinking? Is that how Anaheim may be thinking? Or teams like that that are not in the win now, but could be in the win in three years from now when a guy is 26, 27 years old? Uh, man, it's a I lot. think the Sabres would say Yoki Aryu fits exactly what they want. Right. He's 24, he's got a lot of experience. But, there's a big but, or perhaps, uh, but here... Big perhaps doesn't sound as fun. No, big but is way better. But, you're looking at your decor, and Yoki, are you unfortunately got passed by what you were able to draft at number one overall in Owen Power, Mm -hmm. were able to get in the second round with Matthias Samuelson, were able to develop in Erasmus Dallin, were able to... To get on free agency in Connor Clifton, like you're looking at all these pieces and it actually has made your team better. Not because Yoki has been, all of a sudden he's bad. Mm-hmm. It's just you added better pieces and that's the, the way the game goes. Well, the real distardat on this day for me is Olivier Rodrigue, one year, 775 with Edmonton, or Olivia Rodrigo's new single, Vampire, distardat. I've not heard of Olivia Rodrigo's uh, new uh, single. I haven't listened to it yet. And uh, But Olivier Rodrigue, just because he's a goaltender, I'm going with him. I'll go with the, the musically inspired one. Yes, the track is very similar to her last album, but guess what? I loved her last album, so I love Vampire, and it's got some, you know, aggressive language in it. Oh. But in a good way. 
you know, you got to stand up for yourself. So. Well, uh, as I told you, I hope everybody had a really nice Fourth of July. But yesterday, um, cleaning out the basement, getting like organized and whatnot. My kids are playing music, and we're in the last like stretch of the cleaning out the basement. And I said, "Do you guys mind if I play something aggressive to get us going?" And they said, "No." What are you thinking? What did you play, Eminem? No, I played The Offspring. <laughs> oh boy! <laughs> it got going, and the, the you know they have some language moments yeah, 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 in there, yeah, 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 and I'm yeah. like, "Let's go!" I got the vacuum going. That yeah. thing was smoking. Did you? <laughs> I'm envisioning somebody now operating the light switch. Turning them off and on, giving you a little light show, little uh, no pyro. No, but strangely if, on a day where there's more pyro than at any other time. No, but if you remember the movie, there's something about Mary. Yes. And the grandma, when she ends up having the the, the speed melting in her her, her martini or whatnot, and then she's vacuuming. Yeah. That was kind of like me towards the end. <laughs> I could have lifted a whole couch with one hand and vacuumed underneath it. That that was me with listening to The Offspring. Okay, well, on that note, or not, um, we are going to take a quick time out. We're here at Development Camp at Harbor Center, as you can undoubtedly hear in the background. It is uh, straight on practice and, you know, just ramping up for tomorrow's three-on-three. Doors are going to be opening, was it just after 8.15, I think, is yes. what they said tomorrow? I believe um, So the tournament will begin just after 9 o'clock. Three-on-three has become the traditional component of this development camp. Dan, Razor, and Chris Baker will be on the broadcast. It will be streamed on Facebook and Sabres.com. And, of course, if you want to be in attendance, it's a non-ticketed event. So that means if you make your way into Harbor Center tomorrow morning, it's first come, first serve. If they run out of spots, well, I suppose you'll maybe just have to go sit canal side and watch it on your phone because it will be streamed. But we have had good crowds throughout the week already just in practice form, and I suspect that uh, it'll be a nice turnout tomorrow for the tournament. How many deep can you go on the top level? Like, you know, know, when you're in juniors and you say it was packed, but there was even five deep standing on the rail? Mm -hmm. Like, I wonder how many deep we can go here. Yeah. Six or seven deep. Good question. I mean, I think capacity is roughly between 1,800 and 2,000 when you you get the standing room. Anyway, uh, looking forward to that, and we will have Noah Oslin joining us a little bit later on in the show today. When we return, we'll dive into, uh, since Marty was doing a little uh, cleanup work, maybe let's look at the teams right around Buffalo and see what they've been doing to fill out their rosters this offseason and whether there's any noticeable gains among any of them that either missed the playoffs or just snuck into the playoffs. Yes. That's next on Sabres Live here on WGR Sports Radio 550. We're back with more of Sabres Live. Presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. We are back, back half hour of Sabres Live from Development Camp here at Lecom Harbor Center. Good crowd on hand, and tomorrow it'll be even bigger for the three-on-three tournament, which begins just after 9 a.m. Looking forward to that. Dan Razor and Chris Baker will have the call streaming on Sabres.com and on Facebook. Marty, I've given you a little homework assignment. By the way, Noah Oslin's going to join us later on in the show. Just a quick update from him just as to how the camp is going. He obviously won't and isn't participating right now because he's, uh, you know, in recovery mode from an end-of-season injury, but he's in good spirits and is going to be spending next year in the SHL in Sweden. And then we'll see. 
because he is, of course, one of the three first-rounders from a year ago, so there's still a tremendous amount of attention being paid to his development. I gave you a little homework assignment as far as teams in and around Buffalo, not geographically, but standings-wise, that missed the playoffs last year, Pittsburgh, Ottawa, Detroit, Washington, Philadelphia, Montreal, Columbus, and or the ones right around the Sabres that did make it, like the Islanders and Florida, uh, or any other teams in the East that you prefer to discuss. Has anybody made significant moves that in your mind will impact Buffalo's hope and or likelihood of moving up in the Eastern Conference standings? Yeah, I think that if you look around, it's hard sitting here in July and say, well, this team is going to jump way back, right? Mm-hmm. Last year we had some inclination, like Pittsburgh and Washington, yeah. going to take a step backwards at Buffalo and Ottawa and Detroit. We're going to take steps forward. Um, so I go into this season not penciling in the Buffalo Sabres in the playoffs, but using a Sharpie and saying that's their end. They are making, and I know questions about goaltending and their D is still there, but I got to think that I'm putting them in. And I also, with a big fat char- a Sharpie, a big butt Sharpie, um, saying that I'm putting the Florida Panthers out. Okay, I understand. Florida got to the finals this year. They had this weird season, which they had Alex Lyon play well in the last, you know, 11 or 7 games or whatever it was at the end of the year and get them in. Um, But I have Florida out. I don't see enough with the Florida Panthers to tell me that they are going to have that magical end of season and or magical ride that they had in the playoffs to put them in the playoffs against this year. There's too many good teams around them. Okay. So those are my my Sharpie uh, teams. In, out, Buffalo in, Florida out, one for one, it, it works. Um, but if you make me dig in a little deeper, as you always do, then I say my second team to get into the playoffs is the Pittsburgh Penguins. I, look, I cannot sit here and think that Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, Chris Letang, that that whole group, Jake Gensel, like that whole group is going to miss the playoffs a second consecutive year. Mm -hmm. Now, if they deal with injuries throughout the season and they are missing some of their key pieces throughout the season, yes, they could absolutely miss the playoffs. But if I look at their roster and think that they will suffer the average amount of injuries like other teams around them that Pittsburgh will get in. So that's the team that I see gets in. They have added Riley Smith, Lars Eller, Nolachari, Matt Nieto, and Ryan Graves along with, and here's the over-under question, over-under number of games for Alex Nedeljkovic. Um, he is their third goalie. Does he play ten and a half? No, I think it's going to be, oh! Ten and a half is a low number. Because, I mean, look at what the Sabres have done with their goalies the last few years, right? Like, mm-hmm. So, it's a really well set line by you, Duffer, by the way. You I'm getting be working, better at this. You should be working for one of those uh, betting sites because that's a well set line. I'm going to say under. I hear they're overstaffed these Tristan days. Jari um, is obviously coming back on a five-year deal. Mm-hmm. And Casey is, Smith is set one. to be healthy, yeah. and Casey DeSmith is there. So I'm going to say under 10 and a half games for Alex Nedeljkovic. Uh, but I, these additions are significant for mm. Pittsburgh, and I think Pittsburgh gets back in. Well, how much better is Detroit with Comfer, Costin, Sprong, Fisher, Gostisbehere, 
your boy, Justin Hall, Reimer, and Lyon. I don't love the Detroit Red Wings. I don't. Like I, I saw I, a headline today out of the Motor City. Sleepy Iserman fails to get, you know, yeah, offensive okay. play, which is hilarious because, you know, the criticism of Steve has been limited, let's say, over the course of his it has been limited, managerial career. But he's also not really put himself in the media crossfire a lot, right? But and they now, have missed seven years in a row, so it's... And they took a step forward next last year, and now they're hoping to take another step forward. I do, I do think that the Detroit Red Wings failed on some level to add some offense, and maybe they were focusing on creating that defensive structure again and helping a guy like Villayuso be able to take a step forward again this year. I'm not loving the Detroit Red Wings. And to be honest with you, I, I, as a third team that would get in, I have the Ottawa Senators. But I'm not loving Ottawa um, but they, going for Corpus Allo. They get an incomplete grade because the Debrinket deal is not done is still, yeah. But do I feel like Ottawa is going to come out on top in the Debrinket deal this year? Maybe long-term they will, but I don't see it happening for year one. Hmm. You, you've got a player like Alex Debrinket that could score 40. Mm-hmm. That had a eh, not-so-great year, average year last okay. year. Yeah. It was okay. But I feel like Ottawa is going to lose out in the short term. Maybe gain the long term, but lose on the short term. So I've got Ottawa kind of like Buffalo gets in. Pittsburgh, eh, there's a chance they get in. Ottawa, it's a long shot, depending on what happens in front of them. Again, I said Florida gets out. I think the New York Islanders take a step back. So again, it's Did that. Did you notice my notes on them? No. There's no. There's nothing. No additions. No, no change. No change. A lot of long-term contracts, but no change. Like they visibly have not changed on the roster yet, and or maybe won't. Do you like, think Boharvat is going to score forty? He could. Should. I mean, if healthy Barzell, why not? Like, why not? But well, I still don't love the Islanders as a team and their makeup of a team. Yeah. They still have that mentality of the energy line and, uh, you know, mm-hmm. the Matt Martin and Casey Zizekas and Cal Clutterbuck type Johnson. of Ross yeah. Johnson type of lines. And, and look, maybe it's going to work for them. I just don't like it. So team one that gets out is Florida. Team two that gets out is the New York Islanders. Okay. But because I know I want to give it enough time to kind of surprise you with team three that gets out this year. Tampa. Tampa would be my team four. Okay. Tampa, I mean, really quickly, um, Sherry, Archibald, Glenn Denning, Logan Brown, Calvin DeHaan, Jonas Johansson. Those Back. are their additions. Tampa's not better, right? Tampa is definitely not better. And now, uh, I don't think they're going to regress simply because they have too much star power to regress. They can play Kucherov and Point and those guys 20-plus minutes. It's yeah. a third of the game, and they, they, they will dominate that one-third of the game. Mm-hmm. How do they work the other you know, 66% of the game is, mm-hmm. is going to be a challenge. So Tampa, for me, is Team 4. Team 3, and this is me Do jumping. I get one more guess? Yes. Rangers? No, the Rangers, no, I think, they should are be fine. be fine. Okay, let me go one more guess. It would have to be then. I'm jumping in a frozen lake. Well, the only team left would be Toronto. No, Toronto, I think, is going to be fine okay, as well. Okay, who is it? The Boston Bruins. Oh, see see how I could never get myself there? You can never talk <laughs> about the Bruins, right? You can never get No, I mean, there. I could never. That would be, like, Obviously, it would be the most catastrophic fall in regular season year-over-year history to go from record-setting to missing the playoffs. I heard something yesterday. Somebody suggested that Jim Montgomery could win 
back-to-back Jack Adams trophy as the best coach of the NHL just by getting the Boston Bruins in the playoffs next year. Right? If they were to just get in the playoffs, like they have been, they suffered major losses on their roster. They added Geeky, Lucic, Van Riemsdyk, Brown, Jason Magna, because we always yeah. like to clarify, Shattenkirk, J A Y S O N, by the way, Ian Mitchell, and Weatherspoon. That's it for the Bruins discussion, we promise. We'll get it back on Sabres Development Camp next when Noah Ostlin joins us here on Sabres Live from Lecom Harbor Center, WGR Sports Radio 550. Get back with more of Sabres Live, presented by Seneca Resorts and Casinos. Nothing else comes close. As promised, joined by the 16th overall selection in the 2022 draft by the Sabres. Noah Ostland is with us here at Development Camp at Lecom Harbor Center. How are you? I'm good. You? Pretty good. Yeah. I mean, I know it was a little different for you coming in and uh, not getting a chance to be on the ice, but uh, you talked to the media the other day. You've been able to be around the entirety of the group. I think Marty and I really only want to know, how was the night at the ball game the other night? I mean, it, it looked yeah. like an absolutely perfect night for yeah, you guys. Yeah, for sure. It was cool. It was my second second baseball game so it was uh, fun to see uh, and they took the took the win too so it was cool yeah. and we learned this past season that there's such a thing as finished baseball because of uh, we talked to Uko Pekalukunen and he oh, yeah. talked about how in Finland they have a special type of baseball that's called finished baseball is there such a thing in Sweden is baseball not existent in no, Sweden I don't think so okay. I don't know about it either. <laughs> <laughs> so they Created their own version of baseball yet in Sweden. No, they haven't. So Not we should do I that. We, yeah. You yeah. and I oh, should yeah. be commissioner yeah. of a league. Yeah, we would get paid, I think. Absolutely, we would. <laughs> so Noah's already said the one thing that I was super happy for, and that was the Bisons won. Yes. Like it was a great game to go and watch, and then you've got a huge crowd and fire. Yeah. Did you guys stay? Through the entirety yeah. of everything, all the way through the fireworks at the end? Yeah, we saw the whole game, and it was packed. So yeah, it was, it was amazing. Cool. And yeah. it's one of the most special nights of the year, obviously, on the eve of the holiday. Oh, yeah. And what was it like for the group? I mean, so you don't necessarily have a baseball background. I'm going to assume that there's a lot of others yeah. here in camp that are the same. How do you guys enjoy the game, then, when you're not, let's say, experts at yeah. Yeah, uh, we tried to find out the rules yeah. before we got there, so we knew a little bit, and then a couple of guys explained the, uh, how they play and all that, so it was cool. Yeah. So let me ask you this. Do you have good hand-eye coordination? Oh, yeah. So if I put you in the batter's box, I, I wouldn't be throwing 95 miles no. an hour, but if I threw, like, a good enough fastball, yeah, would you be able be to hit good. it? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. For I like sure. the confidence. Yeah. I know <laughs> a lot of players, a lot of hockey players like to take batting practice. They go to the ballpark, yeah, and, yeah. and some of them, I tried it one time. I could barely get it out of the, <laughs> of the infield because I lack power, but you you look like a guy that yeah. could, could hit it uh, yeah. like a, a while. Not so much power maybe, but uh, technically okay. I would think I would be the good. That I love good. it. It's yeah. a transferable skill, and yeah. you seem to have all of that, and it was on display last year. You were so... Um, committed, I think, to your development path last year when you spoke to us after being drafted. You, you kind of laid out what the season would look like in Sweden, your hope for your team to get up to the SHL, which you accomplished, and now you've got this next year coming up in your homeland. You also mixed in world junior success, uh, I would say, to a certain extent with that. Uh, how, do you, how do you describe the whole year? 
that has now put you here getting ready for this upcoming season? Yeah, it was a very good year, I think. Yeah, I think uh, first men, men's league uh, season, so it was a cool experience to play against like men. Mm -hmm. and it was pretty, pretty tough at the beginning, but it got better and better, and I think I uh, did good. So And the World Juniors was... Pretty good too. Not happy with losing the bronze medal game there yeah. against USA. <laughs> it was a crazy game, but uh, overall a good season. And then, so just the the aspect of being on a team that you know you were saying like the goal is to just get back up to the SHL. What was that accomplishment like for for you? Yeah, it was uh, it was cool. Yeah. Uh, it was. Uh, Fun for uh, for all the guys, so mm -hmm. it was good. Was it fun for your town and everybody celebrating the fact that you guys move back up? Because oh, yeah. we know, like, you guys get support from, you know, where you play and the locals and, and all of that. So how did you guys celebrate moving back up to the top league? <laughs> yeah, it was uh, not so much, but uh, it was a fun fun time. So, so fun you switched time, yeah. teams? Yeah. Is that right? Yeah, so I did. So uh, what what will this season be like then with your new group? Yeah, it will be uh, a little bit of a change to move and uh, uh, live by myself and okay. all that. So it will be will be a fun experience. Do you have an idea of what your role would be on this new team? Is yeah. It, yeah. Yeah, I won't have the same role as I had in Drew uh, Gordon. Okay. Uh, to play a lot and uh, be responsible in both ends. I think that is important to to get ice time and all that so absolutely what is something that you would say you are better at now than you were a year ago with this year is there some part of your game specifically that you say i'm much better at this part now i think i'm overall a, good, a better player okay uh, but uh, most specifically i think i'm more used to playing men, men's league now not not so much junior and i think i gained a lot of experience from that so. is the the body strength like something that yeah, winning one-on-one sure. on one battles yeah. is something that was an adjustment yeah you know i'm not the biggest player so i gotta like be smart there and maybe not go into body and body but <laughs> lift the stick or something like that so um how much pressure do you feel as a first rounder and or how much did you kind of enjoy watching fellow first-rounders that you were drafted by Buffalo with, like Matt Savoy and Yuri Kulik last year? I mean, it seemed like in your own respective ways, all three of you had very, very good seasons. Oh, yeah. Yeah, uh, I was in Rochester after my season ended at home in Sweden, so got to see Kulik, and he played pretty good in, play in the playoffs, so it was fun to fun to watch him play. When you saw the guys in Rochester, there's a lot of Czechia. There's a lot of Czech yeah. there. They call them the Czech Mafia. Oh, yeah. But there's a lot of Swedes oh, up yeah. here, so yeah. is there a Swede Mafia, too, that's oh, yeah. developing right yeah. now? Hopefully dangerous, more dangerous more than dangerous. the Czech Mafia. More dangerous. Well, Darlene <laughs> said that when he, they wore the, the black and red jerseys last yeah. year, they were evil. So oh, yeah. is Sweet uh, Mafia evil? Yeah, okay. for sure. Okay, oh I like God. that. How do, you, how do you view Dalin? How do you and your peers, players in Sweden, view, you know, what has been an interesting and at times challenging road for Dalin because of, you know, lack of team success. But he's gotten better every year as people would have expected. How do you kind of revere him? Yeah, it's it's cool to see, cool to see him play, and he's he's a great guy. So it's fun to fun to watch him play, and he's yeah, as you said, getting better and better, and he's one of the top these in uh, in the nation. Did they show highlights of of Dalin like in Sweden, like on the sports oh, show? Oh yeah, 
Yeah. So yeah. remember the big hit he had on Nieto last year where he came in backwards oh, yeah. and hammered him? <laughs> yeah, it was crazy. It was crazy. So those yeah. are the big, like, big boy hockey yeah. that you got to yeah. find your way yeah, around. Exactly. It, so. Yeah, it's cool. So how will the rest of training go? I know you're coming off injury. Uh, how close are you to being ramping up to exactly where you want to be? Yeah, I think I'm pretty close. Uh, I had an injection today in the hip, so hopefully it gets better from that. And I'm ready to go when the season and starts. And you had fun at the falls yesterday? Oh, yeah. Falls? It yeah. Was get cool. wet? Still wet. Still wet? <laughs> 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 yes. That means you did it right, so yeah. that's fantastic. Uh, Noah, we're uh, fresh out of time here on yeah. Sabres Live. Thank you so much for joining us today, and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer, and obviously we'll see you soon. Yeah, sounds good. There Thank is Noah Oslin from the Sabres, and for Marty, I'm Brian. Thanks for uh, listening today, and we'll see you tomorrow from Development.